Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 108 Sunny Pondborn, the Gift Grave Digger. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Tony Vicinda's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and SideQuest, the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. Well, normally this is the section where I just talk about the first ad read sponsor, but considering that my guest this week is kind of the maker behind this brand, uh, let's just do something a little different and uh, just kind of take this opportunity to exclusively talk about the first sponsor that I have and the one that's been with me for the longest time, Plus One EXP. Hey, here. Can you tell us more about Plus One EXP? Yeah, so Plus One is a weird little brand that multi-classes in tabletop game design, beard, and skincare alchemy in the Bardic College of Content Creation. So uh, we uh, we make games, we cover indie RPGs, so basically anything that isn't 5th uh, edition or Dungeons and & Dragons. And then we also make beard and skincare products, so uh, bespoke alchemically powered beard bombs, lip balms, and coming soon, lotion bars uh, that are all inspired mm. By kind of classic tabletop trips, they're all uh, all handmade and help us print cool little indie uh, indie RPGs, uh, old school style adventures, and other fun uh, games, also too. Yeah, I happen to have a can of the plus one charisma and uh, the plus one strength, I believe, is what I have. And so every time I actually remember to put on beard balms, uh, they make me smell uh, minty, fresh, and like and very cool. So I always feel like, oh, I'm adding a a little plus one to my charisma today. So it's it's always very nice. Low key LARP your way through your day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so then the RPG that began this brand was Beards and Beyond. Is that correct? Yeah, so we, uh, my name's Tony, by the way, I don't know if I said that or not, and we have, uh, yeah, in February of 2020, I was like, Zine Quest 2 was happening, and I was like, hey, I have this one or two-page beard RPG that I've done, what if I turned that into a zine, and uh, three weeks later, we launched it, we funded it, and spent the next few months putting it together, getting it ready, putting it out at the same time. Uh, we started doing review videos for other people's games, and by the time it was ready to launch, it was a huge part of what we did. But, you know, we've become better known for the work we do on other people's games. Uh, and even when people talk about the games that I've developed or worked on, Beards and Beyond is one that a lot of people don't know about. It was free RPG day 
last week at the time of recording and um i was there and somebody mentioned it and i was like oh it's always really nice when somebody actually knows the first game I made because it was when I was somebody who hadn't been running a brand for two or three years and was just kind of like, here's a fun thing I want to get out into the world, which is a huge part of what we want to do at Plus One uh, is just help other people be able to do that also too. So it's always fun when kind of my first foray gets brought up. Yeah, and not to mention some of those other games, which I know I always like to go through the list in the ad read section here. You know, that includes Repugnant, I Toaster, down we go through the void vamp nugula brand standing and even the santa side squad which i have downloaded and purchased but just have not quite found the opportunity to deploy but one of these christmas holidays i'm going to sit my family down and we're going to have some sort of christmas caper set aside squad is super fun it's really enjoyable if you like where the suicide squad meets the italian job meets your favorite christmas claymation movie we are actually uh, have been working on it over the last couple months on and off what we hope will be the definitive print edition of that game, which is only also, again, uh, a two-page RPG. But uh, we want to make a series of Christmas cards uh, that you can pop up and play on. So you'd have five uh, character cards and one kind of GM rules uh, card that would each have custom art on them and some other cool stuff like that. Uh, I'm really excited, hoping hoping we get that out uh, in time for this Christmas. We may not, though. But Santa Side Squad is, yeah, every year... We'll stream it a couple times on Plus One Stream. Um, it's always super fun. Uh, Jeff Stormer on Party of One Pod did an actual play of it this year. So if people want to go uh, check it out, that was a super fun uh, actual play to listen to also too. But yeah, uh, easy kind of honey heist tax. So two stats, you've got naughty and nice. Uh, and um, I always love hearing about what people do with it. It's always nice to have the creator of the brand in your ad read. And so you can kind of like not have to be so robotic with the normal thing that I type up. But of course, as you've already mentioned, uh, you've got your website, you've got Tony plus one dot itch dot IO. And uh, anyone can go there and get any of these fine products. And by getting something from there, that helps contribute to the plus one forward program, which you use to then invest in other indie tabletop content creators. Yeah. Um, or go to plus1exp.com. You can see some of those games uh, there. Not only our digital stuff over at our itch page, but the physical uh, ones also too. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're on the social medias. You've got the Twitters. You've got the Facebook. You've got the YouTubes and the Twitches and the Discords and all that. And uh, the final thing for this ad segment that I think I can say before I drag this on too long is when you go to that website and you see that affiliate code box here with the brand man himself, just type in the code Randolph. That's the only code you'll ever need. And you can save some coin on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, the code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus one exp.com. Okay. So now that we made it through that unorthodox ad read, hello returning guest it's been several years since we've interviewed but for those who are new to the podcast would you care to introduce yourself tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do yeah so uh my name is tony vicinda i am chief alchemist over at plus one exp which is a weird little brand that multi-classes in tabletop game design beard and skincare alchemy and the bardic college of content creation uh so we make games we review other people's games and we make beard and skincare products uh since last time uh also too if you don't have a beard you're like man i, 
I don't I don't have a beard if that's you because not everybody does it's weird I know you're surprised out there listener um, we uh, just launched our line in the last couple of months of bard song uh, which is our, our lip balm uh, products so you've got things like uh, stolen breath that's peppermint you've got things like spark um, that is cinnamon you've got uh, my favorite which is inspiration uh, which is kind of a citrus mint uh, blend uh, and we've got a rose clove one called charm that's absolutely amazing also too um, and then we've got some lotion bars that'll be coming out later on this year uh, as well called stone to flesh so um, if you want to check any of those out uh, and you don't have a beard but you do have skin or lips you can head on over and uh, and check those out Yes, I do hope, in fact, most of my listeners are, in fact, real-life humans, and they are not the lizard people beneath Los Angeles that are just masquerading as humans. Yeah, but lizard people need need something to help keep those scales supple, and we've got you covered there also, too. Lip stuff, maybe not so much, but, you know. Well, my wife does like chapstick and lip balms and stuff, so I might have to show her some of that and be like, hey, are you interested in some of this? This might be a cool birthday present to get you or something i thought this was going to be the big reveal moment where you finally acknowledge that your wife was a lizard person oh um, oh no 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 she's much cooler than a lizard person for sure <laughs> so awesome yeah so it's it's great to have you back on we've been ch- chatting and and all that through the years of the podcast and the friendship and all that so just kind of like a hey how's it going it seems like the brand has been doing well over the last couple of years since we talked way early on in the pandemic yeah yeah, so things have been good. Um, it's been a lot of growth, a lot of change. Uh, we have some amazing new team members. Um, we shifted to becoming part of a larger company also, too. So there's been a lot of stuff uh, that's been going on, especially over the course of the last year. And we've got a couple of new products that are or projects that are on the horizon that I am like super excited about getting up and getting going that are really going to let us lean into our mission in kind of a more intentional way. Uh, so we've got, in addition to me and Johnny, who was our, our my team member on pretty much all of my creative projects, who would have been with us, you know, last time we talked. Um, he does all the layout and uh, art direction for all of our projects, um, and is uh, you know over in the Philippines. Mm. Johnny for eight years um, across. nine different uh like major projects and three different companies and um like just kind of the the most important member of our team does a ton to kind of help establish kind of the visual uh styling of the brand and help make all of our projects just kind of pop um our most recent major release down we go um which is this uh, osr an old school system by marcus lindrum who's the swedish designer um we get rave comments on how great the layout is like how readable it is um, but how it also drives the aesthetic of the game in a really yeah. clear way also too. Um, and that's all Johnny's work, right? Like that, just somebody who was so important. Did he look at that like Glenn Danzig album cover? Cause every time I see like the cover for down we go, I, I think of like that horned skull image from Danzig or whatever. So Johnny is our direction. Uh, Simone Tometa is the lead artist on down we go. So Johnny did, uh, all the layout, but Simone really brought in that strong visual styling. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was a, a key influence. Uh, but Simone actually did that entire book, all the art in it, which, you know, we we basically, um, you know, our design style is largely like, hey, we like full page images and just like a little bit of like almost no spot, almost more just like layout elements. 
that help kind of drive things forward. So, hey, we want skulls we can use alongside the headers. Hey, we want, you know, these big, broad brush strokes that, you know, so like we, we go mostly like big full page. So Simone did all the full page stuff except for one, which is Johan Knorr. Uh, who does? Who's the the artist and graphic designer for Markborg? Did the dungeon spread for that? Um, but Johnny did all the layout and arrangement on each of the individual pages, um, and really helped kind of bring in um, you know these big broad brush strokes for you know like our our tables rather than just being that kind of traditional like hey we've got light gray boxes and then you know white boxes also to go in for something a little bit more style a little rougher a little bit more organic a little bit more free form uh, arranging the different art that it's at the bottom of a couple pages that are some kind of layout flourishes we had Simone do uh, kind of figuring out how all those different pieces come together along with you know the font titling and other work um, which for again when you're doing minimalist design like down we go is uh, the core rules all fit on on one page the other 71 pages of the book are all additional procedures story building but like if you are an experienced gm um, with a table of willing players there's there's a single page of rules that everybody needs to digest it's also the character sheet itself uh but um tons of other tools and stuff in there um but figuring out how that minimalist design all kinds of comes together in that one page marcus brought a lot of that in in the initial design but johnny really took it up to a whole nother level uh within that so we've got johnny always been with us uh but on the content side um we've got keegan and sarah who um told me they weren't starting a cult on our twitch channel but it turns out they were starting a cult um and so they run the cult uh on plus one exp which is um them uh, sitting down and doing what they call character study interviews. So rather than it being a, just a traditional interview format um, or an interview format where you make a character, which other shows uh, mm. do, they um, they actually have you build yourself as a character in a system that you love as oh. part of the process. Um, it's super fun. And it started because we were road testing it. Uh, they had me on and I was like, well, I love GURPS and it's known that I love GURPS, the generic universal role playing system by Steve Jackson Games. Everybody always thinks this is a joke, but it's very serious. I seriously love GURPS. And so I made me in fourth edition. So we were talking about who should we make? What would that be like? And I was like, you know, I used to like you'd stat yourself, you'd stat your friends like you stat yourself. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like super fun. And so we did that. And that became the format for the show was building whatever version of you you want to in the system. Sometimes it's a system the designer has made, but like last week we had somebody on who made themselves in the Star Trek role-playing game system because it's a system mm-hmm. they love. It's a lot of different ways you that it's they use it. Uh, but then they do a lot of different games that we feel like need a lot more coverage. Uh, they'll do these kind of two-part, hey, we're going to do one where we kind of do a session zero, one where we actually talk about design, one where we actually play the game, kind of two-part uh, reflections on a game. Um, a lot of times they work specifically with queer creators, which we love having like more voices and more diversity uh, on the stream. Uh, and so that's always been a huge passion for us is how we bring different voices to the forefront, how we create a really diverse community of design and of play. And so we're really excited to have Keegan and Sarah kind of like championing um, a lot of voices that might not get heard otherwise or might not know how to access uh, press or content creators or other stuff like that. Uh, we've got Armanda Holler now who's doing solo games. She is a sommelier, so we call her the Lone Som uh, over on Plus One EXP, an Argentinian creator. Um, she's been an absolute blast to add. Um, had some technology issues the last little bit, but like her streams are always just her 
playing the game, you know, just a taste of it for about 45 minutes and then sitting down with the creator and talking about that game, which is kind of the core thing that we do when we play group games. We have the designer come and run it for us, but this time it's Armando playing it and then an interview with the designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on July 6th, we launch our newest show with Cat McDonald called Taking Flight. Uh, Take Flight is going to be a show where Cat uh, is the flight attendant and there is uh, a pilot and a co-pilot. The pilot is an established and experienced designer from the NDRPG space. Uh, and the co-pilot is somebody who has a game in development. And they're going to sit down for 90 minutes and just talk about with chat um, what it's like to be trying that game, what problems the co-pilot is facing mm-hmm. in their design process. And then the pilot will help kind of navigate where are we headed? How do you do this? What are some things that in their experience they've done it? Cat's doing a really good job. Like we had, we put out like, hey, who would want to do this? And we're hoping to get like, you know, enough to do like eight or nine episodes every other week over the summer. And we got over 130 responses for people who want to come on uh, and be a part of that conversation. So, um, but I was really excited because I was just like, would anybody want to host this? And people immediately said, like, this sounds very much like a plus one style show. It's been a great collaboration. Uh, we're super excited to launch into that. It's been really cool to see Johnny working on all the new graphics uh, and stuff for it. But we've got uh, Kendo and um, Ray uh, are going to be our first guests uh, on that. Ray, super established RPGC designer, did Apocalypse Keys. Um, somebody who I love collaborating with and working with has also been the first proper guest on a few of our shows now. So it really has become like our favorite person to have on a new show. Uh, Kendo uh, stepping in and designing for the first time in some, in some very cool powered by the apocalypse space, which Ray has a ton of experience in. So can't wait to see what comes out of that conversation. That's going to be Thursday evening uh, at 8 PM Eastern uh, on July 6th is going to be the first show. I'll be running tech behind the scenes, but a lot of new content creation. And then, like I said, we, we joined up with a uh, third party logistics company. So a shipping company that used to ship all of our stuff. Um, we kind of joined the team there so we're able to offer things like crowdfunding fulfillment um helping other people who don't have stores get their games out in different ways uh better conference support helping other brands set up uh e-commerce and fulfillment services for their games like uh, possum creek other people who we really love helping ship for um so a lot of really cool things happening in the world of plus one um and we still get to put out our own games uh most of what i don't get to do as much right now is sit down and design games. And for the last eight months, usually I by this point in the year, I would have played 30 newer distinctive systems. And right now, only played about 14, um, which mm. sounds, which is a lot more than a lot of people get to play. But for me, sure. it feels like I'm not getting to play anywhere near as much as I want to. I'm certainly not getting to design as much as I'd like to right now. But we've got a ton of really great stuff going on. The big thing I'm excited about, like with all that said, um, we're about to launch something called Zine Club in the next couple of months. And this will be basically uh, a curated subscription service. Uh, we'll put out one kind of uh, story game or lyric game or experimental uh, narrative game. Um, like, you know, once a month, it's going to be, you know, 20 to 40 pages and then very easy to consume. Um, and we're going to put out another game or adventure or something that's a little bit more in the traditional kind of old school uh, vibe. 
vibe that might fit with, you know, any D20 plus system or uh, be a narrative adventure or something that you can kind of uh, rope in more with kind of traditional games. Could be fantasy, could be sci-fi, could be, you know, whatever it might be. Um, But basically people signing up in advance and they'll all be kind of emerging um, or underrepresented voices. So people who would normally have to go to crowdfunding to get their game to market. What we want to do is say, can we find, you know, 100, 200, 500, however many people who want to invest every single month in helping creators get their first, second or third game out, especially creators um, who are who oftentimes might have to go through a lot of crowdfunding or might not have access to crowdfunding because of where they live in the world um, and be able to take their game straight into print. And rather than waiting six to eight months to get it into your hands, uh, you'll get a new game every month or if you sign up for every other month or every quarter or whatever, however often you want to get a cool new zine or two sent to you, we'll set you up, we'll send those out and we'll know exactly how many of those creators can get. But we're also going to send out a little zine that's like, hey, here's a place you can take notes. Here's a place we're talking about this game. Are you looking for other people to play it with? Right now, this month, these two things are our focus and we want people talking about them, playing about them. And it's going to be right now as opposed to six to eight months from now. So being able to get your game into print have people playing and talking about your game right away uh, and being able to share your game is going to be huge. Also um, with those zines where you can kind of fill out your notes on each project, your, your passport is what we're calling it. If you fill out the entire passport and find me at a convention, I will stamp it and I will buy you a piece of pizza. Uh, that's a, that's a promise from me to you. Mm. You had that cool t-shirt that was like, we do have a cool pizza logo this year. That's not why we're doing this. That's happenstance. Mm. I love pizza. Keegan's sign off on the cult is uh, so long. Enjoy the pizza. Uh, and we were like, let's just do pizza. Nate Trim did this cool logo for us. And I made a little game to go with it. That's, that's super fun called uh, Terrific Tony's Pizza Patrol. <laughs> this came from Pizza Hut apparently used to have like a reading program where if you filled yeah. out like the book, you could take it in and get free pizza. And people were like, yeah, well, you do that. And I said, Sure. Anything to get kids reading and adults playing games, I'm 100% on board with. And so, um, yeah, we'll get a stamp. It will be that logo will be the stamp that I use for it in perpetuity and even outside of this year. Um, Mm. But I will stamp it for you and buy a piece of pizza for you at whatever convention we happen to be at. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to it, like Gen Con packs, use other stuff in the future, just being like big pizza party, a bunch of people. finish these things we're all together we're gonna go get you know a million domino's pizzas um <laughs> and uh do it but I'm, I'm happy to do it uh and i'm you know i'm always any any excuse i have as a long-term youth worker you know before i was in game stuff to give out pizza to people i'm 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 here for it again it's just great to sit here and and chat and converse but i would be doing a disservice if i didn't of course ask you if you'd had the opportunity maybe not necessarily uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but you said, oh, you had played like only 14 different systems. But since the last time we spoke, like three years ago, you've played some D&D, you've played some tabletop role-playing games, you would say? Normally, like I said, normally by this point of the year, I've played 40 different systems. Um, so like, it's it's just that I'm behind. Um, yeah, so, it, it, for, you know, the same as last time, I don't play a ton of 5e. I do get a decent amount of general... D&D, and I get a ton of tabletop role-playing games in. Um, our house system, Down We Go, it's it's D20+. plus. If somebody has ever played uh, Dungeons & Dragons, the core resolution mechanic is going to feel pretty familiar, but there's a whole lot of other narrative tech. Also, the system's a lot simpler. So like, I get to play a lot of dungeon fantasy games, um, and I have, in the intervening two years, played 5th edition at least one time, Father Casey Floyd-Jones for a Christmas thing, and I'm trying to think if there's been any other ones 
that I've done 5E for. My youngest child, uh, B, they ran um, a 5E session for us here at home that we did like two or three things because they just really wanted to get into GMing. We're looking for some like just ability to do that. And so I had them run for us uh, here at home also too. So I guess the the two times in the intervening little bit that I've played fifth edition um, (laughs) uh, OSE, uh, plenty of BX, um, you know, plenty of of older uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I've got to play a good amount of DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics, um, over the last little bit. And then, like I said, tons of Down We Go um, as a big part of that. A good amount of, like, Karen hacks also, too, and some into the odd um, in the mix for folks who are into the old school stuff. Uh, but, yeah, mostly, you know, we're, we're trying new and kind of bespoke stuff all the time. The biggest thing I've really kind of fallen in love with, I think, in the last couple of years has really been the carved from Brendlewood system. Hmm which is uh, Brendlewood Bay is the primary game that kind of launched that, but it really started with this game called Between by Jason Cordova. Jason wanted to make this kind of Victorian Penny Dreadful system uh, that really let people kind of dive into some of like the pulp magazine vibes of those old Penny Dreadfuls. And, uh, really kind of wanted a really kind of evocative mystery system and created Brindlewood Bay, which is this game about elderly women solving murders and mysteries in their small town, Brindlewood Bay, which is a town by the Bay. Also over time dealing with the um, emerging eldritch mysteries that are starting to happen in the background also. So it's very Murder, She Wrote meets Cthulhu, uh, but it's powered by the Apocalypse system kind of loosely. Um, But there's this really great mechanic called Theorize in it where there's no canonical outcome for the mystery. The GM is constantly just giving you clues, um, you know, based on you interrogating the fiction. And then, you know, they're telling you the different things you find pulling from this list. And then at one point you you say, hey, we want to, we want to theorize or we want to solve a mystery. And you stop and everybody, the GM and the players, um, have a conversation about all the clues you've found, kind of restate what the mystery is. And then you start to weave all the clues into a theory. And so you might say, oh, you know, we found, um, you know, a, a handkerchief with lipstick on it, right? Like, and we think that means that, you know, this NPC, you know, uh, was in the room where the murder happened. We know that. We also found this, you know, uh, poison, you know, um, wine glass. We, you know, we think maybe it was this romantic rendezvous that they lured. And so you start kind of weaving this story together. And once everybody agrees the theory you have is plausible and what you think happened, you might get some pluses if you wove more clues in or some minuses if you didn't weave enough clues in. Uh, And then you make a roll and you add or subtract that. And depending on the roll determines how correct you were or if you were just wrong and have to start the theorized process again, maybe after researching some more. And it's this really beautiful moment at the table where the GM and the players all come around to have this specific conversation around what they think actually happened here and play it out. And it's there's now a number of different carved from Brindlewood games. But one of the things I love about him that I think matters for this show particularly also is like the way that Jason writes NPCs um, in these things. It's very, it's very direct, very simple, like just a couple of key details. But one of the major things is like, how do you incarnate this person at the table? How do you physically express the reality of this person? Jason's also one of the best GMs, but their way of designing NPCs in their system also too. Um, and they, you can use it generically across most of them. I just think is genius also too. So if you're looking for a great system at articulating NPCs, carved from Brindlewood Games and the stuff Jason Cordova does is just, I think, tremendous. And then of course, you know, the name of this podcast being Sidekicks and Sidequests, 
Have you come across any new or interesting NPCs, whether they be from one of the plethora of games you've played, video games, movie, film, television, etc.? And why has this new character, this new NPC or sidekick been interesting to you? Yeah, um, I so I just finished season two of The Bear, which is on Hulu. Um, my me and my third oldest child really both love the show. Other people watch it with us, but we like it. We were waiting on season two to drop. And it really is a season where you watch a lot of the characters who are who, who were not the main character, who was overwhelmingly the, the immense focus of the first season. It's really a season about all the side characters and really each of them gets their own episode or two to kind of basically do this season is very much a transition one if you don't you don't know what it's about it's about a, a restaurant um and a family in chicago that's this really crappy like italian beef restaurant the brother who owned it dies the younger brother who was a a michelin starred like sous chef comes to run it and is basically trying to transition it into being a better version of itself and see if he can make it profitable. Um, but everybody gets their training. So like they all go and like stage or work at like other restaurants, other like kind of gourmet restaurants. And you have the the person who just started baking bread, like, or, you know, being in charge of bread and cake at the, the shop, learn how to make these really gourmet desserts and comes back with these absolutely amazing dishes. You watch the guy who's kind of the screw up uh, Richie character who's who can't get his life together. It's, it's kind of like everybody's favorite, least favorite cousin, right? Like the one who you love and have around and you care about, but also is constantly screwing up his life. Uh, go and work at this high end restaurant and learn the restaurant's actually about more than you. It's about the guest's experience and about how you can all work together as individuals to help this thing come to fruition and kind of really be this, have this, these amazing kind of transformational moment. Um, you see like all these different side character quests basically happening kind of episode by episode as you get these training montages for these secondary kind of kitchen positions, but why each of them is important. And the main character is still totally melting down during all of this, right? So there's all the all the great family kind of drama that comes into that, and some and you get some some great flashback scenes also too. It, it would be hard to go through and pick one specific character uh, like out of that. And it, it, I guess I should have also spoiler warning before, but I don't think I gave away anything too specific. Like Richie, Richie this season finally gets his moment. It's later on in the season, and it's really beautiful. Like watching it, you don't feel like it's going to happen. You don't necessarily know if Richie's going to get it together. And it really is kind of beautiful to see what eventually happens within the show for that and how that transformation takes place. Um, and so I, I, I love that one. Awesome. And then to go along with that, what's been an interesting or new side quest that you've come across? Again, whether from a game, video game, movie, film, television, etc. And why has this side quest, this B plot, stuck with you and why i'm a huge fan of the b plot this is a new one but it is a favorite one and it's one that inspires a lot of the work that i have been doing on my own game through the void um another shout out to jason cordova and car from brindlewood games is this piece of tech called the unseen which basically is a b plot mechanic um, where you're narrating these short vignettes about stuff happening um, and man, I may have even said this one the first time because it is my favorite. I don't remember, honestly. So if, if you know, whoever is a completionist of mine and just listen to these two episodes, you'll know no one else will. <laughs> the story from Deep Space Nine, where Ron and Nog really just want to buy some candy. You know, these two teenage characters really just want to buy some candy. 
and end up owning a piece of the local like nearby planet Bajor that ends up being a huge part of a planetary like trade dispute that resolves the A plot when they sell it. But it starts with them just like they buy some self-sealing stem bolts, which is just techno babble for bolts that's, you know, apply themselves basically like, and they go through this constant trade process and end up owning some land that ends up being humongously important, but it's all just like, can we make a look like the teenage side hustle that becomes this major plot hinging thing. And the adults never know it was them. They never like, and they make, you know, they probably don't make out too well on the actual trade if they, if we're looking at value, uh, but they make more money than they wanted to make. And that's a win for them. And it's, it's one of my favorite B plots ever. And one of my favorite side quests is like, we just want to buy, we just want to have a little bit of walking around money. And so we're going to just start this bigger, better sales trade process and it eventually having this huge kind of uh, system-wide impact. All right. Very awesome. And fun fact, that was not the answer you provided last time. What did I say last time? Do you, do you know? I think you said something about the side quests that the player characters are interested in going on. And I remember a mention about a time traveling George Washington in an alternate universe that was trying to steal all the presidential quarters because each one represented a power or something. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's from an old, old GURPS game. Yeah. And to round out the personal interview section of this show, what is a new passion or hobby that you've picked up in the last time since we spoke? And why has this new passion or hobby stuck with you? As much as it sounds commercial and salesy, like I like ZineQuest really is like where all of my energy is going. Because in all honesty, like I also just I think crowdfunding is fun for me. I think it's so hard for so many people. And to be able to kind of institute like, a community of reading and play and conversation around a small creator's game, like really is a, is a strong articulation of why I started doing what we do at plus one, why we started making our own games. Sure. But like more so covering other people's games, sharing about, you know, these small systems that we really love and being able to help people just get from an idea that they have to play and conversation happening around a table. Like, I love that. I think play is unitive. I think it's transformative. I, I love seeing that. And I love getting a creator getting to see that. And like I said, so many, so many Kickstarter games, just like the energy that you had going into like funding the game six to eight months later, once you finally get it out into print has like all evaporated. You maybe you're so excited to get it out, but like you're a little done with the project. Uh, you don't know how into it people are like people right now really love to rally around funding or release but they don't necessarily like have it set to get it to play or a place to go and talk about it a place to be excited about it and if we can give that to creators like if we can create a system that lets us say for 100 or 200 or just a couple hundred people here's something we're all going to be excited about this month giving that excitement and that intensity of release to a creator Rather than just, oh man, I funded it and I finally got it out and now I've got to move on to the next thing. If we can get that moment where for a month we can pause and let people really reflect on their voice and what they have to say and create a space where we can all talk about it, where we can add our own voices to that uh, and then encourage people to play that at the table. Like that to me is 100% why we exist. Um, and and I, again, I love, I love 
clubs. I love zines. I love being able to put things together that help people have conversations and form community better. And so like, I'm, I'm so excited by this. I'm hoping we have a lot of stuff at Gen Con to kind of show about it, but it'll also all be available online. Uh, you know, I think you can go to like rpgzine.club, I think. I'll make sure there's a link that I give you that you can put in the show notes <laughs> to find out more information about that as we launch it. Um, it'll be a couple more weeks before we have anything at the URL, but you can go sign up for our email list, get notified when it's up also, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, like I don't, I don't, I try not to work on things I'm not excited about. So, um, but this is really for us going to be a huge shift in the way that we're able to serve the community um, and serve those emerging voices. And that gets me so excited. Awesome. Well, it's been great catching up with Tony in the personal interview section that I think it's time we head into some NPC creation. And the NPC creation segments brought to you by you, the podcast audience and our patrons from Patreon. So now is the time of the show where we give a Shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, Anson Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. So again, this shout out is for people who donate $2 or more a month, just $2, and you're comfortable here at the Levitating Platter. Of course, all of these individuals I named are among my wealthy level of patronage, which means they get to add an element of chance to our random tables, which we use in this segment. So you might get to hear some of those responses used today. So if you want to learn more and join the best Patreon page on this side of the internet, just go into the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests to learn more about our four tiers, one, two, four, or $10 a month, and help us expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. All right. So before we started rolling, I believe we had come to the conclusion that we were going to do as you had done last time and just randomly generate an NPC. Yep. Okay. So you've got all of your dice at the ready. Yep. Okay. So of course we begin with the name of the character. And so we will have you roll a D 20. Okay. Here's the one thing we did last time that I do want to do again this time. I want to do name last. I do like to pick the name, but I like to be based on the character. Fair enough. So the spirit of Inpro lives still. Okay, well then let's go ahead and go to the question of character ancestry. What is the ancestry of our character? We'll determine this with a roll of the D100 or 2D10s. D100, I got a 57. 57, as I scroll down the list. Ah, okay. You got GIF or GIF or GIF, the hippo folk from Spelljammer. I love it. And then the next thing we'll get to roll for is what is the job or role in society of our GIF? Uh, that's just going to be a D10 roll. Nine. Nine. Aha. Your answer provided by previous guest, Max Chikino, Gravedigger. So your GIF is a Gravedigger. And then the next thing to roll for randomly would be the age range of our character. And so we will roll a D8 to determine this. One. Okay, if you're okay with it, this would be a child age character. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, so a child gravedigger, that's a gif. Yeah. Okay. And then based on these pieces of information that we have now, can you describe the physical appearance of this character? Yeah, so let's go... um... 
like I they're like they have to be like the most like I think cherubic, adorable, chubby gif kid ever. And I, I like I do love the idea of them like they are a little bit too big for the clothes that they wear, right? So like mm. they got that nice like that stomach that's kind of kind of popping out all the time, uh like shirts tight around the the arms, pants are a little bit tight around there, covered, I think covered constantly in mud, uh hundred percent from like head to toe. Mm, okay. And I know the stated lore says that, oh, gifts are normally found in the Astral Sea in the Spelljammer setting. So is that where you're imagining this gravedigger digs graves? Or is this a gift that happens to live in the prime material plane? No, I think this is a gift that lives in the prime material plane, 100%. Like they have made their, maybe they're the only gift around, you know what I'm saying? But maybe not, who, who knows? You know, getting into the ways you get into different planes are always so interesting so mm-hmm. I maybe love the idea of like them floating down an astral river that just happened to bisect with the material plane in this graveyard that then like they were kind of just like floating along and then found themselves in this material plane in this graveyard and like the pond water feature in the middle of it. And we're just trying to kind of make it through and we're adopted by the primary grave digger as just an assistant at like at like at first and has worked their way up now to being apprentice grave digger here uh in this in this graveyard okay you were describing that and i immediately because i know that they nintendo just made the announcement that they're redoing super mario rpg with updated graphics and stuff but i totally just got mallow vibes yeah yeah, yeah. the cloud air genasi character who gets kicked out of the air cloud kingdom or whatever and then ends up with a community of bullywugs or frog tadpole people and then that's the first party character that mario then meets on the road of his adventure so this gif is kind of like mallow in this situation of like is totally out of place but because of their stature and their strength it's like oh you'd be really good at helping me out here in the graveyard kind of a thing yeah and i think there's like there's an immediate acknowledgement of like look this kid's only going to be small enough to do this on any sort of steps. Like, give, give like this. This character is always going to be able to help in some capacity, but like at some point they're going to get bigger than the graves are wide, and they're not necessarily mm. going to be able to do the deep work. Uh, now they can, but at some point this this isn't going to be a forever solution for this kid. Another inspiration I'm thinking of is Poe from the Kung Fu Panda movies, who's, you know, adopted by James Hong Goose character working in the noodle shop. And then you you mean I'm you mean I'm not really your son? It's like, oh, I, I, I you didn't figure out that you were adopted earlier. Is that kind of the situation? I think they know they're adopted, but I do think that's that's a pretty good vibe. Like they don't know that they're not going to be able to be a grave digger forever. Mm, Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. All right. And then if you had to describe this apprentice gravedigger with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Um, I think curious. I don't think quite naive, but like they don't have an awareness of the grisly nature of the task that surrounds them. Right. Like they know they're digging holes. They know this is an essential service. They don't understand like grave digging is something that other people have thoughts, issues, and, you know, feelings about. And so mm. um, a little bit of naivete, 
uh, or a lack of maybe worldliness, uh, I think, is good with is, is good for that. There's like an innocence about them. Yeah, but it's almost more like I I I don't know that they've ever left the graveyard. <laughs> like to them, mm. this graveyard is the world, and like people come to them. And they live here, but like they don't have a need to go anywhere else in the rest of the material plane. Like, this is this is a totally new and interesting place because it's not at all where they are from, and they're old enough to know this is different and this is wonderful. And I, I think the last piece I would add is like they're just grateful, like they're a happy, grateful individual who's always excited to meet new people, learn new things, um, and doesn't understand the response that they get from the world a lot of the time. Interesting. Do you have an idea of uh, what kind of community that this GIF finds themselves in? If again, if I'm using like the Super Mario RPG analogy of like, this is a GIF that lives among a bunch of bullywugs, or if it's yeah. like uh, something else. I think we've got a. I think we've got a grave digger, and we've got <laughs> the, the the grave diggers like uh, kind of dour wife, and we've got GIF as their kind of surrogate child slash apprentice. Mm-hmm. And I think the rest of the community is largely made up by mourners or people who come to visit, you know, with the exception of a couple of other, you know, there's, you know, a gardener who will come through, you know, so, some other people who are who are workers there, uh, but none of whom live on site like the gravedigger and his wife do. So, like, to them, this is their world. But I think, you know, they're they're mostly they're a child surrounded by adults. Uh, their gifts surrounded by, um, you know, uh, other species that they're that are not their own. And I think they've got this overwhelming, like positive and cheerful outlook uh, to the point where I think even like local clergy and people who come to do like funeral ceremonies, visitors like um, like they're kind of a bright spot in the middle of this space. And so I think people kind of seek them out, maybe even for a, a bit, little bit of like respite and enthusiasm when they come into and through the graveyard okay all right so just leaving it kind of largely open-ended yeah. so whichever community is like this gift would be considered an outsider to this otherwise community and then almost kind of in a way seems like a, a wholesome like clark kent situation of like oh ma and pa kent just adopting the strange child from the stars yeah. To like live on the farm or I guess live in the graveyard or uh, cemetery and help take care of everything there. But they yep. know that this gift is meant for greater and bigger things because obviously he's going to continue to get bigger, probably eats way more food than the the both of the, the couple together or something. Yeah. And now we get to continue on with the question of what is going to be a valuable item, piece of lore, secret or ideal or concept that this character would ascribe to. Uh, so this is a combination where you do the D4 for the category and then the D6 for the particular thing. All right, so we got one for the D4. Okay. And then six. Okay, all right. So you selected valuable item. Your valuable item was submitted by our Patreon supporter, Goblin Katie, Katie Downey. Thank you very much. Our GIF has an item that allows them to summon a flumph once per day. Okay. So is this like the one thing that they were able to bring with them from the astral sea as they drifted down this astral river of some sort and then just kind of magically found themselves now in the prime material plane? And I also like if we've got, they can summon a flump once a day, is that correct? Yes, the item that allows them, however, and maybe you can describe uh, what that particular item is, but it's some item that allows them to summon a flump once per day. 
Yeah, I love it. I almost like, I mean, especially if we're going with these like Kentian vibes, um, I almost like the flump as almost like a benevolent, what is it, mix it, mix, 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 plisolic. The fifth dimensional imp that uh, Superman fights on a regular basis and has to get them to spell their name uh, or say oh. their name in reverse in order to get them to go off. Uh, but I also love the idea that it's the same flump over and over again. Uh, um, <laughs> and that potentially this flump is even kind of like responsible for them being here. Oh. But it has not been able to figure out how to get them back this entire time. So the best that they can do is kind of come to them. And so... I mean, I think even something as simple as like um, like a speaking stone, right? Like maybe it's, it's a simple stone with like a, a hole in the middle that's kind of been naturally worn uh, that the flum can kind of come out of and can help them kind of see if they can try to figure out how to get back. And I think like more so that this care, like the, the gift doesn't necessarily like call them to try to get them back because I think they're totally delighted by this new magical space of life. They found them in uh, digging graves in the graveyard uh but the flump feels like it's their responsibility to try to get them home yeah this little flump with like what is it like four hit points and that just kind of like air farts its way around the air and yeah all right very cool and now we come to the question of the side quests so if it's something you want to generate randomly that uh this gift would offer up you could roll a d12 or if you're inspired, uh, you can kind of just tell us what you think an appropriate side quest that this gift would offer up. I like the idea of Grave Digger has gone ill and Ma Grave Digger has sent Gif out of the graveyard for the first time ever. Um, it's 100% an escort quest. They've got to go across town to get medicine for the Grave Digger who has taken deathly ill and uh, the person who has it um, has requested specifically, specifically for the gift to come retrieve it. And so you have to help this small child cross town. Well, not necessarily a small child, help this child cross town for the first time ever. And their entire, their entire world until this point is just the graveyard. They don't know how town works. And, I love the idea of putting this graveyard in the middle of a large city. Like, have oh. this be a big city. Like, they've been able to see kind of the city all around mm-hmm. them, but they have never gone beyond the hedgerows at the edge of the graveyard, because why would they? Why would they? Sure. Okay, so the first thing that jumped to my mind in Red Dead Redemption 2 in San Denis, there's like the big church that's in the middle of this particular square and stuff like that. Or if you, uh, in real life, not that there's a graveyard next to it, but like St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans is like right there in the French Quarter and all the city stuff around it. So, okay, so we're imagining a graveyard that's next to this church building of some kind and in the graveyard portion of this property that's where ma and pa live and so then pa's sick and you have to help escort the gift across town in order to get this medicine now is there a particular reason why the gift was requested is it like some kind of a trap or something like that and then that's why the heroes need to go yeah this alchemist who has the medicine uh 100 poisoned pa grave digger and this is this is all a ruse to try to entrap the gif uh, because mm-hmm. they're an explainer creature with uh, with they think a lot of uh, alchemical potential. Ooh, OK. Oh, oh, no. Poor kid. If you don't like child endangerment, don't play this adventure. This child is in danger. But protect this child is what I'm saying. Sure, of course. 
Or, you know, if you need to change it in some creative way, I suppose you could. Maybe there's just, you know, this is a town. And so maybe there's just like cut purses and thieves that'll just take the opportunity to try and steal the money the kid has. And then, oh, now it yeah. becomes a chase because now you have to go after the thieves that this uh, naive child who doesn't know how cities work is just like, they're like, give me your money. And the kid's like, okay, sure, here, have the money. And then you're like, no, wait, that's the... That's the money to get the medicine for your your sick paw. Now we have to go chase them down and get the money back or something like that. Could be uh, another good alternative. Again, if you don't like uh, the child being threatened uh, for their alchemical components. Yeah. We got to talk about rewards, right? Quest rewards. Yeah, Um, exactly. That leads in. So what's going to be the reward uh, for the player characters when they successfully get the child across town? They get the medicine, they come back and they give the medicine to paw. There is a paltry financial reward. Like it's not, it's not worth it, you know, anything. Um, I think there's kind of this suggestion maybe by Mograve Digger that like, oh, like maybe we could tell you where someone important or something important is buried. Like there's kind of some of these hints like, oh, if only Paul was here, he could, he could probably tell you where. I think Gift just says like offers to be your friend and that his friends will be their friends also too. And I think that's, it sounds very childish. It sounds very much like, oh, I've got a friend who will be your friend. But I think what that means is he will also, on their request, will summon uh, his friend, uh, the Flump also, and they can ask the Flump esoteric questions of great, uh, great significance and importance. Mm. Because Flumps oftentimes have, you know, an advanced knowledge of philosophy and other esoteric uh, as well. Don't they have like telepathic, natural, just like radar, like listening in telepathy that they can just pick up on so, the thoughts of people? So, they, so, yeah, but I like the idea of like in play, you should present the flump as kind of an imaginary friend who this, you know, this this kid keeps on telling you, oh, like if you help me out, like, you know, my friends will help you in the future if you ever need it. And this is this kid who lives in a graveyard who never has been out in town before. Mm-hmm. So who could their friends be and why could their friends possibly matter? And so. And then they realize, oh, this is a flump. Oh, yeah. this important villain character that we've been trying to figure out how to deal with had attended a funeral in this graveyard. And suddenly this flump has a bit of insight into some weakness or something of the villain that they've been trying right. to figure out this whole time. Yeah. Ah, okay. Does the flump have a name? Not the gift. I mean, they just call them my friend. Like there is zero. I mean, like in play maybe but not like in the reporting from this child to them it's just my friend all the time and then considering the other side of the coin what's going to be the consequence of refusing the call to the adventure or or failing the adventure so it sounds like you know paw gets sicker and sicker and then they're digging a grave for paw maybe um (laughs) maybe if we want to live in this weird hey, we've got this kind of uh, astral barrier. Maybe if the kid starts crying because Pa has died, maybe he blames them. Maybe he calls Flump. Maybe he says, my friend, I don't want to be around these people anymore. And so Flump drops you into the astral plane. Oh, so that's a way to, okay, so now suddenly, okay, welcome to Spelljammer now, everybody. Totally new setting for your adventures uh, to happen in. Uh, but yeah, just throw, throw, them into, throw them into the astral sea. Interesting. Wow. Okay. You definitely do not want to mess with this flump then, this all-powerful flump. <laughs> okay. All right. Very cool. Are there any of the optional questions that you think are good to answer for the character or 
are we ready to reveal the name? Hey, what are the goals and motivations of your character? I mean, we can whip through them real quick. Um, I think, you know, I think to be the best Gravedigger's Apprentice possible to make Pa proud is good. How do these affect your general philosophy? I think goes kind of above and beyond to help people have a good experience of burying a loved one. I think, you know, how do you normally interact with uh, family, friends, peers? There is this naivete, but I think there's also this like, this brightness, this friendliness, and almost this kind of like hopeful wisdom um, or earnestness, at least, that comes through and kind of um, it, they're constantly trying to cheer people up uh, and help people see what's best in the world. I, I don't think they even understand what an enemy or rival would be at this point in time. Like, I don't that's not something that they would cognate as a thing um, unless you unless Pa dies and then things get dark. Sure. Or it is the child endangerment version of the side quest, but the heroes are successful in defending the gift from being, you know, captured or or killed or anything like that. And then, you know, the gift under has an understanding of like, oh, that was a bad alchemist. Like, oh, now I have an understanding of like good and bad. You have to explain evil to this small child, though. Like, no, they wanted to hurt you. Particular accent or language? I don't think so, but I want to do an idiosyncrasy because I do think they help with incarnation. I, I mean, think about like this kind of cherubic quality. Like, I think there's, you know, big puffy cheeks. Uh, I think there's a little bit of like a thickness to the way that they talk. And so, you know, if I was, if I was G, I mean, I would probably like, I'd bring my, i bring my lips in a little closer and give them, you know, like a little bit of like my lips a little bit fatter, let them touch a little bit longer and just kind of crowd up my my mode of pronunciation um, to give a little bit of kind of a, uh, a thicker cheeked kind of um, like fat lipped reality to the way that this gif uh, talks. And I think the impact on the world is not huge at this point in time, except for uh, they have made people's lives better by helping them mourn their loved ones in a hopeful manner. I think that's the kind of the big thing. Like they have kind of a very localized reputation and not one that comes up in normal. Com- like if you went to a funeral there, they'd be like, did you meet the gift? And they'd be like, yeah, man, that was like intense and beautiful. Like, you know, um, but it only comes up when it comes up. And yeah, the biggest problem, they, they've never been outside. So they do not literally understand what the bigger world is like. So let's go with names. Let's go with names. Let's go with Sunny. S-U-N-N. Uh, let's go I-E. So Sunny. Um, sunny, 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 Sunny. Let's go with Sunny Pondborn. They came over... Young Sunny has always been their name. Pondborn is kind of the denotation that like the Gravedigger just found them in this water feature uh, one day and thought somehow a hippopotamus had gotten it until they realized this is this is my new apprentice and child and surrogate child <laughs> will now live with me. Uh, I will adopt them and they will be mine and I will be theirs. Aw, this sounds wonderful. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to put Sunny Pondborn in my game. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, I think we've learned so much about this character that I think it's time we throw them into a random encounter. And of course, at this point in the show, there should be another ad segment, but there isn't because Reaper Miniatures had to suspend their affiliate program and again, continue to support them. They're a great local company here in the DFW area. You can get great miniatures from them. 
Uh, I will say, you know, maybe maybe listen to this on Zencaster because the the deal with the Zencaster recording program is that they're supposed to throw, you know, uh, sponsorships and affiliate what's a who's it's uh, my way. Uh, but I guess the program is still new or not enough people are listening on Zencaster or whatever app. And so it's not I haven't gotten anything yet, but I am more than happy to look at your proposals. Uh, certainly, if you're an independent game designer, you got a Kickstarter, you got something that you're really proud and cool of. And you got some green in your pocket that you can throw my way. I'm happy to promote it here at this point in the show. So if you want to do that, be sure to send me an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. We'll talk lunch. My people will talk to your people and checks in the mail, all that good stuff. Okay, so with the random encounter segment of the show, we like to do the role play, the vignette. And I think you'll do a fantastic job as sunny pond born but the question becomes who should i be in this scene am i going to be ma talking to sunny and explaining like oh pa's really sick and uh his medicine's on the other side of town is it going to be sunny meeting one of the podcast adventurer characters that's going to help him across town or is it just going to be a scene a scene at a funeral and maybe sunny is having the opportunity to share his wisdom and perspective on life uh with those who are mourning the death of a loved one or what are you interested in showcasing sunny often um i think the adventure one is fun like maybe first couple of steps out <laughs> out of the graveyard okay all right so we have uh, of course since the last time we spoke a number of different adventurer characters in the rolodex to use and so going through them real quick, we, of course, have Duncan, who is the recklessly brave adventurer for hire. Uh, no task too small, no feat too daring for him. We've got Sonia, the warrior woman who started off as a barbarian, multiclassed into a paladin who serves a god that redeems the undead. We have Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster roguish dwarf. We've got Chrisley, the herbalist botanist wood elf druid who then multiclassed into a cleric that serves living memory. We have Orion, who is the astral elf illusionist wizard. And then we've got Agape, who is the tiefling wild magic sorcerer, but the wild magic is like Feywild sort of flavored. So of all of those characters, which one stands out to you? Or if none of them do, then we can totally invent a new one, brand new on the spot. I do like a wild magic character. Okay, so you'd like to meet Agape then? Sure. Where we last left Agape, she had been transported to the Astral Sea. She had come across an interesting elf named OK Computer, and she was given the task to help out with OK Computer and her dragon and being a wild magic sorcerer of the Fey variety. As soon as her side quest was completed, um, she attempted to do a bit of magic and it kind of like poofed her a little bit a couple feet away. And then that caught her like in a jet stream through the astral sea. And so she found herself swirling and tumbling and going over this way and that way. And pretty soon there's a big splash and a crash. And she finds herself in this stagnant pond uh, in the middle of a graveyard. And she's sputtering, she's coughing, she's trying to wipe perhaps a lily pad off of her head, and she's trying to push a bullfrog uh, out of the way as she's coming to and wiping her eyes. And what is she going to see once uh, she kind of gets her vision 
clear again. Uh, I think she looks up, you know, pulls that uh, lily pad off of her uh, her eyes, like looks up and sees this big uh, or this this chubby child, you know, about four feet tall, but like presenting in a way that suggests that they may only be eight or nine as far as their like general mode of bearing and kind of like the sweetness of their face. And they're just grinning a huge grin at her while making uh, mud angels on the muddy banks of this kind of water feature, Um, you know, like uh, just spreading their, their short like legs and arms out. You can see like the, their, their shirt pulled back up from their belly as they are just like, frantically waving their arms, making an angel uh, in the mud on the edge of this pond. Uh, so Agape kind of sputters and coughs a little bit because she swallowed a little bit of the, the water. And so she's like uh, trying to get her airway cleared and she kind of stumbles uh, towards the bank and climbs out of the pond and she'll look around and then she'll see this child. She's like trying to like get all the, the wet out of her clothes. And she's just kind of like, uh, hi, excuse me. Um, can where where am I? Am I am I back? Where where am I? Where where exactly? It's hard to get back. You're you're um you're in the pond. Um the um uh it it's the house is over there. Um and there's um there's a there's a funeral at four o'clock, but we already dug it. Uh, which is good. Pa isn't feeling good. Um, so I came down here to think and make some angels. Do you see like kind of like in an anime, her eyes get like real big and she like puts her hands up next to her face and kind of like crouches down and she's like, Oh, aren't you so cute and adorable? What is your name? Um, well, I don't, I don't know you. Um, I don't know if I should tell you, um, but my friend calls me Sonny, and so does Ma, and so does Pa, um, and yeah, um, but I don't know you. Who are you? Oh, oh, well, well, you. My name's Agape, and so you'll you'll look at her appearance, and even though you know she wears like greens and leathers and stuff that are that are obviously wet from the pond. But you'll see she's kind of like this light lilac colored tiefling. You know, she goes, oh, my name is Agape. And uh, well, I, I I'm a, I'm a, I do magic. And she'll she'll do like a little bit of like prestidigitation uh, with her th- hands. And of course, because of wild magic, she has a bit of a surge. And then we'll say, I don't know, like her nose turns into like a pig snout for a little bit. And she looks down at it and she's like, oh, fiddlesticks. Oh, I can do magic also. And then he just sticks his head underneath the water and blows a bunch of bubbles in the pond. <laughs> in the pond. But I'll tell you, it's a secret. Um, it's just uh, just me making bubbles. It's not really magic. <laughs> oh, well, v- very impressive. I, uh, I I cannot make bubbles as, as large as you. That would be a big bubble if it was as big as me. <laughs> She tries to do another magical effect to see if she can generate some bubbles, but we'll say instead that it, it almost kind of looks like a weak confetti blast of like, and like a little sensory noise that goes off. And she's like, oh, I, I just must be dis, must be discombobulated. And she like pushes her nose a little bit to see if it goes back. And then maybe on the fifth or sixth hit, it finally like reverts back to her normal nose. She's like, oh, that's better. What? Uh, hmm. 
And so she's just trying to like collect her bearings and, and let Sunny talk. So, um, are you, um, are you gonna leave? Oh, am I bothering you? Uh, I, I can leave. It's just, oh, I... I'm, I'm supposed to go out. Oh, but yeah, but I've never been out before because I'm not supposed to go out, but I have to go out. And, uh huh. Ma is worried. Mm-hmm. Well, she's worried about a lot of things because Pa is he's sick, mm-hmm. and we, I got to go get the medicine, and it's got to right. be me. What? Yeah. No. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that your Pa was sick, so yeah. yeah. Okay. You got to get medicine. Okay. And, and Ma says, "Got I got to go," but she normally doesn't. I've never been out, and I. I can go out. I just don't do it. But now I have to. And so I was, I didn't know if you could go with me. Oh, you, you need a, you need a buddy to go with you. Uh, Like a, like a, like a friend buddy, like a, like a guard buddy, someone who's tough. My friend will go, but they're not here right now. Oh, and I don't know if, I don't know if they know how to go out there or not okay he, he he says like oh my friend will go and just acting kind of like maybe like a fey whispering or something like that she kind of starts waving her arms around as she's trying to feel if there's like an invisible friend and she's like they're not they're not right here are they she's like swishing her hands around thinking as if she's gonna hit a ghost or something like that no they're not if they were if they were here they'd be here but they're not and are you okay? Like, are you were you under the water a long time? I can go under the water a long time. I I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. Uh, for you in the slightest. Um, no, I was I was in the astral sea, and then I did some magic, and I ended up in a in a swirling fast river, uh, in the astral sea, and then I I crashed here. I've been there. That's it's a crazy ride. Um, oh, oh, you've been there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I keeps on trying to get me to go back, but like, I, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and mom, mom, pa need me. And so, uh, pa, especially right now. Mm. So but yeah, if you, if you, I mean, my friend's not here right now, but if you help me, you, I mean, you can meet my friend and they could, oh. I mean, you could, they could help you, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to do that. You see, like, you know, maybe some of that uh, that Fey flavoring with her wild magic. You see, like, she's playful and she's nice. And, you know, she's being honest and, and sincere. This child has melted her heart. So she's not even worried about, like, insight checks or or anything like that to see if uh, this this child is deceiving her or anything like that. She just will. She'll do one more prestidigitation effect. And this time it actually works just fine as how it's supposed to. And so now her clothes are instantly dry. She's like. Ah, that's much better. And then she'll kind of hold out her hand and kind of tingling with her fingers to be like, you know, I'm ready to take your hand and we can go uh, get that medicine for your pop. All right. Sounds good. All right. And scene. So there we go. <laughs> what a delightful little grave digger. 
So yeah, what do you think uh, getting to to be sunny in this moment? I, I feel like there's definitely a lot of potentials for a lot of future games out there. I like sunny. Um, I like. I hope you know. I think sunny is is definitely an NPC that they fall in love with, but it's also an NPC you can drop back off with his parents as long as you get that medicine at the end of the day. And therefore, they don't. They probably don't have to go on a quest with you, but you can always visit them when they're in town. And really, as a GM, that's the best kind of NPC, not the one who's going to start traveling with them, mm-hmm. but the one you can visit whenever you're in town. Yeah. And then as well, it'd be really interesting to see the NPC dynamics, especially if this, you know, since we talked about like, oh, he's not going to be a grave digger forever because he's going to get too big or whatever. It'd be really interesting over time if this campaign persists over like a long period of time, if you're measuring it in like years or something like that, maybe even across different campaigns in the same setting, maybe how Sunny pondborn changes over time and stuff like that moves from child to teenager to young adult but even if by that point you know maybe they've taken over the grave digging or you know maybe they've gone to do something else graveyard gif uh who's a teenager is one i cannot wait to run as an npc well a little emo a little goth little emo goth. <laughs> like yeah like i mean you know <laughs> like what is the veil but a thing that we all pass through at some point in time awesome yeah so you know we've made it to the end of the podcast so with the final thoughts section how has it been for you a second time now on sidekicks and side quests super fun had a great time uh getting up with two very different characters i'm a big fan of the i mean i love rolling on tables i love trying to figure things out um i love you know the incarnation for this one is fun like the like hey let's get a little fat lift which i don't know that i've ever done with an npc i think even like a lot of times it's because we don't, we, we oftentimes don't inject child NPCs. And if we do, sometimes we might just like go a little bit higher, like kind of falsetto voice to give a sense that like they're a child. But like the kind of fat lipping thing is also like nice. I mean, you can do, like, we did Sunny as a child, but you could do like a wealthy merchant, a mayor, like a lot of other people who might, rather than it just being about their the corporality of like, I'm a big, like chubby kid, it could be around kind of the opulence of that. So um, and so I don't think I've ever worked into an NPC voice before, but I also really like um, as just a kind of a general, easy thing to add that can create a lot of distinctions in the way that the character might be played. Yeah, for sure. And of course, you know, this child grave digger is just too delightful not to stick in your game immediately tomorrow, next week, you know, right now. So awesome. So yeah, as we're here in the, you know, the final moments of the podcast episode this is the part where i give the soapbox the stage the platform to the guests so whatever you got to plug where can we do all the socials and any passions or causes that we need to be made aware of yeah you can find us at plus one exp across pretty much any social media platform uh, if you're an indie creator out there a designer who's looking to, for a place to come play games or if you want to learn more about indie games you can check out our youtube channel roll for content over at youtube.com slash plus one exp you can find our main website where we sell all of our games bombs everything else uh, over at plus one exp.com and keep an eye out for a zine club which we're really excited about uh, if you are passionate about supporting small independent creators helping them get their games uh, onto tables hopefully your table uh, plus one is a great uh, brand to be following and zine club is going to be a great uh, way to do that if you want to check out our discord community uh, you can head to ttrpg.link slash discord head on over join that community um we we talk about indie games we talk about design we talk about 
weird and good things that are happening in the indie RPG space. Um, uh, we love supporting small press and independent creators whenever we possibly can. Uh, and we love uh, getting to come on great shows like this one and have a good time uh, making characters. So um, reach out if you have any questions about any of that stuff or want to check it out. And make sure if you go to plus1exp.com uh, to use the discount code uh, to help support sidekicks and side quests. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. If you don't like using podcast apps and services, I'm proud to announce that I'm in the process of uploading the podcast to our very own dedicated YouTube channel, which you can find by searching for Sidekicks and SideQuests. All future episodes should automatically publish to our YouTube channel. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up-to-date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and the corresponding threads, Twitter, now rebranded X, and Reddit by searching for Podcast. You can now also find a very tiny community on Discord as well. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, simply send me an email at sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes. Five stars if you please to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. As mentioned in the NPC creation section of the show, I do in fact have a Patreon for the podcast. If you love this podcast and you want to help support us and take our show to the next level, I would appreciate it if you would go to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Modest, comfortable, wealthy, and aristocratic accommodations await, and we welcome all patrons to the Levitating Platter. Seriously, your financial support allows for this passion project to continue to invest in itself through the tools that will take our production to the next level, as well as provide more content for our patrons and the community at large. Please consider supporting me on Patreon if you can. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!